Happy Father's Day. We got some dads in here? Yeah, I'm a dad. Yeah, I'm a dad. So, can I do dad jokes? Okay, so uh, Mark's the one with the dad jokes. I don't actually have any. But um, I like that video uh, with the guy. He sounds English, maybe. Um, seems like a cool dude. <laughs> well, happy Father's Day. My name is Nate. I'm the creative director here at Res Church. Happy to be preaching today. Uh, we're actually starting something new, a new series, but uh, I wanna, uh, let me ask you a question. How many of you have ever written a book report? <laughs> six, okay, so six people. Uh, if you're under 25, a book uh, is, it's a bunch of pieces of paper <laughs> and there's like words on it and you read it. Um, you can look it up on, Google it, what a book is. And uh, <laughs> Does that count as a dad joke? It's close. It's close. It's close. Um, so when I was doing book reports growing up, I, pro- I would procrastinate and I would use these things called Cliff's Notes. Ever heard of it? The ones that are giggling. Yeah. So Cliff's Notes is basically it takes bullet points, synopsis of the book that you're supposed to be reading and and basically condenses it to, to uh, something that's manageable. It gives you like the basic idea. So you read that and then you just fill in, you know, six pages of adjectives or whatever and just stretch that out. That's what we did. That's what I did. And I got really bad grades. Uh, but uh, that's kind of what we're going to be spending the next couple months on actually is not exactly, but a Notes version of Christian orthodoxy. We're going to be studying something called the Apostles' Creed. And uh, if you don't know what that is, the Apostles' Creed is actually the oldest statement of faith in the Christian church. And it was written sometime in the second century AD. So the Apostles' Creed, it functions like a filter uh, for orthodoxy. It indicates what is and what is not Christian. Uh, It is a public profession of belief in historic Christianity. So it takes the, the big picture, the big idea, and kind of puts it all together. Uh, before we read it, I'm just going to warn you about a few things that might, uh, might be, sound kind of weird. Uh, the word Catholic is in there. That is just referring to the global church, the capital C church. Uh, it doesn't mean if you read it that you become Catholic, um, so you're safe. Uh, and then the creed is also not a magic spell. So by saying it, like not, nothing happens. Okay, so, so you have that friend, like, man, I just really want Bob here to to be a Christian, well, maybe I could trick him into reading the Apostles' Creed and then he'll become a Christian without even knowing it. It's not how it works. Uh, But what it does do is it helps us summarize Christian orthodoxy. I'm gonna go ahead and read it for you. I think we're gonna put it on the screen. Uh, Let's read through the creed. That rhymed. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit and born of the Virgin Mary. He suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended to hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended to heaven and is seated at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From from there he will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of the saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting 
amen. So my task today is to dissect that first phrase, uh, I believe in, specifically the word believe. So uh, the preaching team here at Res has trusted me so much that they have given me three words to preach. And um, I'm honored. So, but these words are actually very important because of what follows those words. I believe in, and then what comes after it. So the big idea here is that what we believe, we will confess, and what we confess, we must believe. What we believe, we will confess, and what we confess, we must believe. And we're gonna answer four questions today. Uh, Last week, Vance talked about uh, having three points and that making him a good Baptist. I have four points, so uh, in your face, Vance. Uh, I'm a super Baptist. We have four four questions here. Vance isn't here, by the way, so. Uh, Number one, what does it mean to confess? What does it mean to confess? I'm gonna ask number two, what does it mean to believe? Number three, what is it that we believe? And number four, what is it that we confess? And these are the four questions we're gonna answer today. To answer these questions, we're gonna go back and we're gonna look at two verses in Romans chapter 10. So if you have your Bible, uh, it's... It's a book, it's got the pages, um, or you have the internet or whatever you kids use these days. And pull that out, get that ready. Romans 10, nine through 10. I'm gonna read this. Because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes and is justified, and with the mouth one confesses and is saved. Okay. So question number one. What does it mean to confess? What does it mean to confess? So the word confess actually comes from a Greek word. It's a two-parter, homo-legeo. There's two parts to that. The first part is homa, which means same, and legeo, which means to speak. Thus, it means to say the same thing or agree. Confess means to share a common view or to concede or admit that something is true. In the context here we're talking about, it is referring to an audible public confession. Audible public confession. Why is this so important? Well, how many of you are married in here? Yeah, I'm married, cool. Um, How many of you have been to a wedding before? Okay, been to a wedding, cool, cool. How many of you are not married but you'd like to be married? Just trying to play matchmaker, okay. I'm a good matchmaker, okay? I, uh, <laughs> my band's drummer, I thought, man, he's a really good guy, single. And then I have a, a friend that was on the worship team at Res, and I thought, wow, it'd be great if these two could meet. So I just casually showed her a picture. I was like, oh, here's our drummer. Pretty handsome, right? And she liked him, whatever. <laughs> we had a show in California. She came, they met. I just watched back from the merch table as they connected, and they ended up getting married. Uh, it's so cute, and they just had a baby. Um, but they asked me to do the wedding. They're like, you're a, you're a pastor, right? I'm like, well, not technically, but <laughs> I can look it up. You know, and so uh, they asked me to do the wedding, and I've never performed a wedding. Since then, I've done two. Uh, performing a wedding is very stressful. It's, it's like the biggest day of these people's lives, you know, and it's also my friends. So if I mess it up, you know, if it's just strangers, I'm like, sorry, you know, better luck next time, you know, and 
But if it's my friends and I mess it up, like, it's gonna get weird between us. It's gonna be weird. Uh, thankfully, it went fine. But when you perform a wedding, you exchange uh, what is known as vows. You guys know what this is, right? You write your own or the minister will have you repeat after him and you, you basically are doing a public confession. Okay, this is important because number one, public confessions come with accountability. So all the people in the crowd of the wedding, you know, the guests and family and all that, they're not just there for cake. A lot of them are, I'll be honest with you, but they're actually witnesses. Okay, they're, they're, they're supposed to provide accountability. And so when you take these vows, you say it out loud, everyone hears it, like these, this is what I'm going to do uh, and this is what I promise to do. When you, when you swear to fulfill the vows, you do it publicly and you do it, uh, you do it publicly and you do it audibly. And this uh, provides accountability. Number two, public confessions include specificity for richer, for poor, okay. Uh, good health, bad health, life, death, all those things. If I buy too many action figures or if I don't buy any this month, you, you know, you got, you're good with it. Um, these are all specific things. When you make a public confession in front of people with specificity, it carries weight. It means something, okay? In the context of Romans, what we're talking about, a public confession is good, but it is not the means of salvation, like I said before, you can't just read the creed by accident and you're a Christian. It's not the means of salvation, but it is the evidence of salvation. And then there's this really kind of scary verse in Matthew, uh, Matthew 7, 21, where uh, it says, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of my father who is in heaven. So uh, that verse always kind of freaked me out because it's basically saying, like, there's gonna be people who are Christians, they're gonna confess to Christianity, and then, you know, judgment day, he's like, who are you? You know, uh, it's a scary thing. So all that to say, this public confession, this creed, these things, saying these things out loud, it's only half of the equation. Belief and confession are two sides of the same coin, okay? Belief and confession are two sides of the same coin. So we talked about what it means to confess. Well, number two, what does it mean to believe? Believe uh, comes from the New Testament Greek word pistuo, which means to be convinced of something or give credence to or to have confidence in, okay? In verse nine, it gives us an object and a location of this belief. It says we must believe in our heart. Obviously not referring to a physical heart. Uh, this word here is a Greek word, and it's, it's a cardia, which basically means the center and seat of spiritual life. So when they, when they say heart here, they use the word cardia. And it's the center and seat of spiritual life, which influences our thoughts, passions, desires, appetites, affections, purposes, and endeavors. When you believe something in your center, it affects all these other things. So, for example, uh, my wife, uh, she does something called spin. You guys, anyone know what spin is? Woo, got some, some spinderellas. What do, you, what do I call you, spin, spinners? Uh, spindies. Uh, people that like spin. Okay, I've been twice with my wife. It's terrible. Uh, it's hot. You're on a bike. If you don't know what it is, you basically get on a bike and you just, like, ride the bike uh, really fast for a long time. 
and they yell at you and tell you to do moves and stuff. And it's, it's really good exercise, but man, it's, it's tough. It's no joke. Well, my wife really, really believes in spin. In her cardia, she believes that spin is beneficial to her, her uh, physical health and her mental health, and, uh, which is great. I think that's awesome. Uh, and it does affect other parts of her life. So for example, she has spin clothes. Well, normal people have just clothes. Well, she has spin clothes. They're different. She has two pairs of spin shoes, same exact shoe, two different colors, okay? <laughs> It affects her diet, so what she eats. So uh, when she wants a snack at night, she actually, one of her snacks that she buys is salad. (laughs) Okay, you gonna put chocolate in that or just gonna (laughs) eat the salad? Okay, so she eats salad as a snack, gross, and then it affects her schedule, so how she arranges her life. Uh, Nate, what are you doing this week? Oh, I got all these things. Okay, well, I have spin at this time, so you're gonna go home. Okay, I go spin. Uh, so she writes her, <laughs> her spin. She's over there. I'm not going to get in trouble. It's Father's Day. Anyway. Um, so she writes in the schedule what, when she's going to go to spin. And uh, it affects her social life. She invites people from her spin class to this church. Uh, a few have come, which has been really cool. And that is in her cardia. She believes that spin is beneficial uh, to her physical body. And so that she believes in it, it affects these things. Now, Sounds like a crazy person. She's not, totally normal. Uh, it's not like she's a CrossFit person, you know. <laughs> Is Daniel gone already? Yeah, okay. It's not like a crazy uh, CrossFit person, you know, where it's like, you know. But she still has Jesus at the center <laughs> of her life. Her priorities are still in order, but she does love spin. And you guys should try it out if you get a chance and you want to throw up. Um, <laughs> Okay, so we've talked about what it means to confess, what it means to believe. Now we're going to talk about, number three, what is it that we are to believe in order to be saved? In our cardia, in our center, what do we need to believe? What well, says that we need to believe in the resurrection, that God raised him from the dead. Why is the resurrection so important here? kind of sounds like a dumb question. Why is the resurrection important? Uh, our church is literally named Resurrection Church. Uh, he could have mentioned a lot of things there. Uh, you need to believe in the virgin birth in order to be saved or whatever. But he mentions the resurrection. I think he does this for three reasons. Number one, the resurrection completes our payment. The resurrection completes our payment. Uh, because of our sin, we owed a debt. We were in debt and there was a price to be paid. Romans 5.8 says, but God shows his love for us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Christ paid that price. Christ was crucified for us, but he did not stay dead. He rose again. If he did not rise again, if there was no resurrection, it would be incomplete and there would still be a balance due. Uh, Paul says in scripture that if not for the resurrection, we're the most to be pitied. Basically saying, we're super lame if we live our whole lives dedicated to something that is not real. The resurrection completes our payment. Number two, the resurrection gives us purpose. Romans 6, 4 says, we were buried therefore with him by baptism into death. In order that, just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. It says that we might walk in newness of life, not stand still, not do nothing in newness of life, we may walk. The resurrection gives us new purpose, a new reason to live. 
Number three, the resurrection is our promise. After our temporal life here on earth ends, we will have eternal life with God in heaven. Romans 8, 11. If the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. Because of the resurrection, our payment is made, we have purpose on earth, and we have the promise of heaven. One thing I noticed about uh, these two verses that was kind of interesting was in verse nine, Paul starts with the mouth. He starts with confessing, and then he moves on to the heart, which is believing. But then in verse 10, he actually reverses those. He starts with the heart, and then he ends with the mouth. Well, why is that? Well, I think this further illustrates that belief and confession are two sides of the same coin. They're interchangeable. Now we talked about what we believe. Let's talk about what we confess. Number four, what we confess. We confess that Jesus is Lord. The word Lord there comes from kurios, which means the, so- the sovereign one, master, ruler, despot, governor, owner, and my personal favorite, the supreme one. It sounds like Star Wars. The supreme one. <laughs> in Rome during this time, uh, when this was written, they lived in a polytheistic society. So they had many gods, lowercase g, uh, had all kinds of different gods, gods for thunder and lightning. They had gods for water, um, all these different things. And in addition to this, Caesar, who was a human, was also called Lord, okay? So in this time, if you're a Christian living in Rome when this was written, to believe that Christ was Lord was one thing, but to confess it, to say that out loud, puts your life in real danger. The Christians in Rome confessed that Jesus is Lord, even though it meant persecution, because they believed. They believed, so they confessed, even when it cost them their life. Jesus is referred to as Savior 24 times in the New Testament. He's referred to as Lord over 700 times. Uh, Quite a difference there. I believe the predominance is placed on Jesus as Lord because... Honestly, that is the hardest part of following Christ, is the lordship. There's two reasons that I think this. That's number one, confessing Christ as Lord, it conflicts with our flesh. It goes against who we are as, as human beings. Galatians 5, 19 through 21 says this. Now the deeds of the flesh are evident, which are immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmities, strife, jealousy, outbursts of anger, (gasps) disputes, dissensions, factions, envying, drunkenness, carousing, and things like these, of which I forewarned you, just as I have forewarned you that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. That's a lot of bad things (laughs) that we are inherently doing. This is what our flesh craves. Ephesians 2.3 says, among them, we too are formerly, we all formerly lived in the lusts of the flesh, indulging the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, even as the rest. Romans 13, 14, but put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh in regard to its lusts. Confessing Jesus as Lord, which means we're not Lord, conflicts with our flesh. Uh, for example, last week, I was at the gas station 
and I uh, pumped gas, and then I went to turn my car on, and it made this really cool clicking sound, and nothing happened. So um, obviously, you know, roll my sleeves up, get my tools out, and <laughs> pop the hood, and <laughs> just start hitting things, you know, <laughs> hoping someone will help me. <laughs> oh yeah, this is it. I just gotta turn this thing. And I called Rachel, because uh, I'm going down the list. What, what should I do here? I'll call Rachel, obviously. Uh, my battery's dead. Well, I think my car's not moving. What do I do? She's like, well, we have roadside assistance. I'm like, okay, I'll, I'll call them. Uh, and I'm deciding what I should do here. Should I just uh, accept my fate and just leave the car there? It's an old car. I can get, just get another one, I guess. Just leave it there. Uh, do I call this place? And so I'm you know, trying to, I think I know what the issue is. Uh, obviously, I'm a car guy. I'm a dude. <laughs> and I'm doing stuff. And this guy calls over. He's like, hey, is your battery dead? And I go, uh, I think it's probably the rotary converter. Um, it seems to be jammed. Do you have a, a Crescent Allen? And he comes over, because obviously, and he looks at it. He's like, hey, battery's dead. Uh, and then he has like the portable thing and he jumps it and then he goes into the whole spiel. I think he, now that I'm thinking about it, I think he thought I was like, didn't know what I was doing, which is weird. Um, but he was telling me, he's like, you know, the battery is for, to get the car started and the alternator, it keeps it going. And you could technically pull the battery out and the car would still run. I'm like, oh, I, duh, totally, dude, totally. So he does the thing, jumps it, I'm all good. I'm like, oh man, so thankful, such a, God providing thing, right? This guy just randomly sees me at the gas station. And so I say, man, thank you so much. Uh, Brothers Automotive, check him out. He, that's the name of his company. Um, he, I say, dude, thank you so much. You saved my life. Now imagine if I say that to him and he goes, you're right, my son. I did save your life. And now I am your Lord. Okay. What? <laughs> nah, though. No, I think I gotta go. I gotta go home probably. Hey, da, da, da. I'm your lord, okay? So I'm probably gonna come and need to live with you guys, like <laughs> as your lord. Uh, it'd be weird, and I would obviously decline his lordship. Not into it. But we do that to God uh, all the time. You saved me, yes, thank you so much. Okay, Nate, now I need you to change the way you live. Uh, I don't know, I don't know about that. Just jump the battery, okay? Just jump the battery and stay out of my business. And God does not work that way, because he's the actual Lord. And he calls the shots when you're a believer. But that conflicts with our flesh. It's not what we naturally want to do. So it is a daily thing of confessing him as Lord. It's a daily thing. It's not just the saying it out loud, like I'm just getting my car, Jesus is Lord, took care of it, and drive off. No, it's, it's a, it affects my decisions. It affects everything. It conflicts with our flesh. Number two, it conflicts with our culture. You know, uh, Jesus was perfect, Okay. And uh, they still found a way to hate and kill the only perfect person that ever lived. So, why am I surprised that people don't, just don't like me because I follow this person? Because I represent this person and I do it poorly most of the time. Why am I surprised that culture is against me? It's built in. 
They hated Jesus and there was zero reason to do that. So they're gonna hate me. That's just part of the deal. Confessing Jesus as Lord will conflict with culture. Romans 12, two says, and do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by renewing of your mind so you may prove that the will, what the will of God is, that which is good and acceptable and perfect. John 15, 19 says, if you were of the world, the world would love, would love you as its own. But because you are not of the world, but I chose you out of the world, because of this, the world hates you. Happy Father's Day. <laughs> you know, I, uh, <laughs> I don't actually think, I was thinking about this, I don't actually think people have a problem with bowing to something. I think they just prefer it, we just prefer to build it ourselves. We don't have a problem bowing to some God. We just want to be the ones that make the God. Don't bow to it. No problem. Um, you guys ever been to uh, Build-A-Bear? You know what that is? Uh, I've never been, personally. Uh, <laughs> Did you build a bear? Was it cool? Yeah. Okay. Sick. Okay, so <laughs> Build-A-Bear, basically you go in and you build a bear. Or I think they have other animals now. But you, you pick out all the stuff, right? I want it to look like this, wear this. What we do as culture, uh, we build a God and we don't even know it. So we'll go in, yeah, I want a, some higher power. Uh, let's, wh- let's do the white one. Uh, make him white, because obviously that makes sense. Uh, let's put him in a red robe, because you know, I'm a Republican, so obviously my God's Republican. <laughs> or put him in a blue one, because he's a Democrat, obviously. Or put him in a green one, because throw my vote away, it's fine. And so... Um, <laughs> I promise you I'm not political. I just heard someone say that one time. <laughs> so put this color on him, and then I want my, my God to put a smile, make sure it's a smiley one, because my God is not judgmental, and my God is just like peace and love and just has no rules. Like I like my God to be just like really chill, you know, with everything. Um, and so you basically build your God, and then of course, we'll bow to that. Why? Because we're essentially bowing to a mirror. We pick all the things that we want our God to be, and of course we'll bow. We bow all the time. Culture bows to causes. We bow to corporations. We bow to companies. We change our profile picture on social media to whatever the current thing is, and then as soon as it's not popular and doesn't earn us social credit, we'll change it back to a picture of our cat. It's fine. We do it all the time. But when you say Jesus is Lord, well, that's an issue because Jesus comes with a lot of other things and those things don't change. And the reason we study things like theology and the Apostles' Creed is because God sets the standard on what it means to follow him. That's just the bottom line. We don't get to pick. If God is Lord, then he's Lord. He sets the standard on what it means to follow him. And that is why we need to know what we believe And we need to confess what we believe. And through our lives, yes. Through our mouth, yes. But also, uh, or through our lives and what we do, but also through our words. You know that um, really cool term that goes nicely on a bumper sticker? It's like, preach the gospel, but use words if necessary. Okay. Um, That's not in the Bible, by the way. Uh, Yeah, legitimately, some people think it's in the Bible. It's not. It doesn't even make sense. Uh, Preach the gospel is literally... You're saying it. 
you have to preach the gospel. You don't, you don't live the gospel like by what you do. That's part of it, but you have to preach it. They go together. Uh, for example, doing nice things or whatever. I, I, if I hold a door open, I, I like to still hold doors open for people, especially if it's like a family or something. I'll run ahead and I'll hold the door and I'll wait, you know, and uh, I've never once held that door and have a family walk in and go, wait, wait, wait. Tell me about your God. <laughs> it's Jesus, right? Like, well, yeah. I could tell by the way you're holding the door open that Christ is Lord. Like, yeah. Awesome. Have a good day. You know, it's never happened. Because you preach the gospel. That's what you do. You say it. Do you want proof? <laughs> Romans 10, 17 says, so faith comes from hearing and hearing the word of Christ. You preach it. Confession and belief go together. Two sides of the same coin. They are inseparable. Uh, for me, that confess part has always been the hardest though. Anyone else feel that? I can do things and, and whatever, but it's the, when you ask me to talk about it, ugh. It, because you're saying it out loud and it carries weight. Uh, when I was trying to wrap this sermon up, um, I work on sermons and I always try to get them done and wrapped up ahead of time, but I just never do. The ending always comes last. And so I didn't know how to end this, uh, but I, I was praying, um, which is a great idea. And I asked the Lord, okay, how am I supposed to end this? And he said to me, not audibly, but I felt like he said, talk about your dad. I'm like, no, I'm not gonna talk about my dad. Because I talk about my dad every single time I preach. I'm pretty sure. And it's Father's Day. Okay, my dad has passed away 12 years ago. I, with all due respect, uh, Lord, I, what else you got? Because <laughs> I don't wanna do that. He said, no, you should, you should do that. So when my dad was uh, dying, uh, he was in the hospital and he had uh, tubes and all that stuff. So he couldn't really talk, uh, but he could nod. He was, he was there, you know, he could blink and, you know, he, he was aware. Um, and growing up in my household, we were a Christian household, but we weren't big churchgoers. Um, both my parents had issues with organized religion and things like that. So, uh, but my mom taught me uh, all about the Bible. They said they put me in a Christian school and my dad was always like, I don't know. It's just a different generation of just, his nickname was Smoky Mountain. That's what they, my friends called him. Cause he, you would just be like at the basketball game, you'd look and he'd just be standing there. And he had like this white, he looked like me, but it's completely white and a white beard. And he would just be standing there like, I'm like, where did he even come from? I don't know. Just Smoky Mountain. He's just over there. He's just that kind of dude. So he wasn't very uh, demonstrative, you know, didn't say a lot of words. Uh, and I never really heard him articulate belief in God, but I could see that in the way he conducted himself, there was something there. My mom would tell me, oh yeah, he, he prays, but he just doesn't like to do it around people. And I've caught him a few times praying at home or something like, oh, I've never heard him do that. And so I was kind of the one in the family that was the like Christian, that did Christian stuff. I started going to church. I went to Bible school. Uh, I was in a Christian band. I still am in a Christian band to this day. Like, I do Christian stuff, you know? But one thing I never did was I never talked to my dad about the gospel. Uh, for some reason, I don't know, maybe you guys can identify with this, but it's the, the people that you're the closest to, sometimes the hardest to talk to, you know? I don't, I don't, I'm not sure why that is, but 
Uh, so I never, I never uh, articulated the gospel and I would always think about it like, I need to, what am I doing? Like, he's literally at, you know, he'd come to our, our concerts and whatever, but I had never even mentioned it. Um, and so when he was dying, I was like, I have to. I have to say something and I, I couldn't. Uh, I couldn't do it. Um, I felt like I failed. What good is it uh, to do all these things, but I can't even. Uh, but luckily, <clears throat> I have a, a friend who's a pastor. He came and he, uh, he uh, walked my dad through the gospel and all that stuff. And my dad was like nodding and, and, and everything. So uh, I, believe he's, I believe I'll see him again. But um, man, confessing, it's just two sides of the same coin. And I, I didn't tell you this story. I really didn't even want to do this at all, but I felt like it was uh, what I needed to do. Um, I'm not telling you this to bum you out. <laughs> and I didn't think it'd be cool to cry. Um, but I wanted it to be an encouragement that uh, if you're a believer in here, you should confess and tell people. Um, you get to. You get to be a part of that. And if we don't confess, how will they hear? Um, Faith comes from hearing and hearing through the word of Christ. I wish faith came through holding open doors and helping people jump their batteries, but maybe, you know, God does all kinds of things, but without the confession, they're not hearing. Uh, so if you struggle with confession, you know, like me, and that, that's a difficult thing for you, um, Rachel's gonna come and she's gonna lead us in a song. We'll have elders up front if you wanna talk or you wanna pray with them. Um, feel free to do so. Also, if you're not a believer in here, you're watching online and you're, you don't know what I'm talking about, um, you can also come up front if you want to know more. Uh, if you want to believe, someone will pray with you. But I wanted to close today with uh, confessing. I want to confess what I believe. Uh, so I'm going to read the Apostles' Creed and then we're going we're gonna to close and the front will be open. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, his only son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit and born of the Virgin Mary. He suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended to hell the third day, and he rose again from the dead. He ascended to heaven and is seated at the right hand of God, the Father Almighty. From there, he will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. You move as the Lord leads. Thank you.